Playmakers, I'm Haley Elwood, and joining me today is Soledad O'Brien. She is an award-winning journalist, author, philanthropist. She's had a long career in this industry. And with all the craziness that has transpired in 2020 and with the year coming to an end, she's a great person to sort of help <laughs> wrap it up and also talk about her career. Soledad, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so ready for 2020 to end that I am a good person to wrap it up because I'm like, yeah, we're done. I'm ready yeah. to move on. I know we're not, it's not quite 2021 yet, but you know what? I'm out. I'm moving on. I'm yeah, done. I, yeah, I think we all are. And I'm going to start here because you work on HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumble. I love that show. I'll, we'll get into that a little in a little bit. But you guys had a wrap-up show a week ago, and it was such a perfect sort of summation of everything that's happened in 2020. You know, I think it's funny you should say that because I thought that show was exactly a reflection as sports is, right? Sports is a reflection of, of popular culture and of yeah. what's happening in the country and in the world. It doesn't sort of live in its own little silo and occasionally we dip in to see what's happening over there. And so it's no surprise, of course, that what we see and experience on the streets and what's happening in cities and states uh, in terms of you know, COVID-19 et cetera, et cetera, all that plays out within how sports is thinking about it. So that's not a surprise, but yeah, it was, it's always, I mean, I always find, I love that show. I think it's the best show on television. And I think um, I always uh, love doing that round table, partly this year, especially because you, we didn't see anybody. Yeah. Like normally you bump into people on stuff. We haven't seen each other. So it was fun to be able to kind of like sort of catch up. But then also um, I think it is that we have a chance like hash through the stories we've been doing, but in the macro, like how does it fit into the the puzzle that is 2020? Uh, and so, yeah, it was, I agree with you. It's very much a reflection of what's kind of happened in the country, not through the lens of sports. In terms of the NFL, and I've had conversations with other women this season about those Andrea topics. Kramer, she's the expert on it. You're not going to ask me an NFL question. Literally, I'm going to be like, you should call Andrea because as you know, <laughs> right? She and Hannah too, but she really, I mean, and, and on Real Sports, she's our, our resident expert. Yeah. So no. I will defer to her, but go ahead. I'm happy to take a stab at anything, but you know what I know about the NFL. Yes. Ask me about uh, lacrosse <laughs> or online chess or uh, spelling bees. Then I'm yep. your girl. Oh, well, great. Cause we have a question on that coming up, but I will <laughs> say this. Andrea Craver is for listeners who tuned in. She was on last week. She was phenomenal. We didn't even dive into real sports, which I'm hoping to get her on next year. It was all on Thursday night football and everything. But, but I will say this because you're one of those people, if, if, People follow you on Twitter. You're very authentic. And I stopped cursing. I just want to say for the record, I tried in the middle of the year, literally my children were like, could you please stop cursing? I mean, my mom was a big cursor. I was, yeah. a, I am a big cursor. And I'm like, I had to stop. So, but you mentioned in that first answer you gave just about, you know, sports are microcosms of society. And I think one thing that, that sort of transpired this year with the conversation about social justice was the NFL might've had what one woman I had on previously described as an awakening. Like you see ads on the fight for social justice and, and all of that. <laughs> but when it comes to the players in this league, we know what transpired with Colin Kaepernick. Was there, is there a benefit though to seeing more guys take a stand in a year like this? You know what I think has happened is that again, just like in the country, social justice has become an issue that not just a handful of people of color are talking about and care yeah. about in 
own community, right? It suddenly, uh, it matters to a lot of people who maybe never actually had to think about it. And I think the NFL, like any um, giant uh, system and, uh, you know, organization, suddenly really had to think about it, not in terms of, well, this person is protesting, or now those three people are protesting. But like there's a thing happening in this country and where where do we fit into this conversation because of the makeup of our team, because of the, the makeup of our leadership and because of what our stated values are. And, and I think the NFL isn't the only organization doing that. Yeah. I was having a conversation earlier today with a guy who was a CEO, um, a, a guy who works for the guy who was a CEO. And he said that the CEO at one point during all this George Floyd uh, kind of aftermath was asked, well, you know, as a white man, the CEO's white, you know, how do you think you've gotten advantages? And the CEO couldn't really stammer out a question, right? And, and it's an indication of like, that's now the kind of questions CEOs are being asked. And if you're like a white dude CEO, you probably never had to answer that question. If you're the black guy CEO, I'm sure, you know, you're always getting the, so would you consider yourself a black CEO or a CEO first? And then you're black, you know, they're always talking about race and kind of how they fit. But, you know, this particular guy was caught off guard and gave apparently a terrible answer and has really had to kind of rethink. He's got two options. He can double down and say, I really don't care. And I'm not going to give a thoughtful answer because I don't think about it. Or he can say, holy crap, like the new strategy around leadership now involves thinking about race and thinking about access and thinking about opportunity and lack of opportunity, something that I kind of had shoved off to the HR people, maybe kind of sort of like now that matters. And I think the NFL, like every organization, suddenly was like having that same conversation that every organization and every leader in an organization was having. Like, as a leader, what does this mean for our stated values? Where do we fit into this? In terms of COVID, we've seen a lot of changes that have had to happen. Obviously, you and I are doing this on Zoom right now. You did. <laughs> you talked about doing your show on Zoom or you know on a virtual platform with everyone. Do you with see my fifteen-year-old any- son shooting it? <laughs> oh, our, our our real sports show, but but the show yeah. that I do um, for Hearst, or we produce it with Hearst. Matter of fact, literally my fifteen. I feel like I talked my fifteen-year-old out of ever being on television or working in the industry at all because he was so done with shooting that show out of my bedroom, which he did for about seven months. Uh, I really hate might not be too strong a word. And when it, when we finally got to move back into a studio, you've never seen anybody happier. Yeah. It's really not that glamorous when you sort of strip it, strip it down this way. But in terms of things that have happened, like, um, you know, virtual media availabilities, locker room access being limited. Do you see any of those changes maybe lingering when we return to a normal kind of setting? It's hard to say. I mean, I think the ones you've described are limiting. And I, I actually think a lot of what we'll see is expanding. Mm. How do we do internships with people who don't live in our city? Like, could you have a whole bunch of kids who would love to be rooting for such and such team and working for that team, but, but don't live there and don't have anyone to crash with? You know, could you now say, yeah, we actually have done internships, um, you know, remotely. And that doesn't mean every intern next year will be remote, but we can take you know, 20% of our interns and they don't have to have an apartment in an expensive city in order to be able to be part of this organization and, and have a build their resume. Like, I think that could be a really great change because now people have done 
remote internships. Um, and I think that's kind of amazing. So I don't necessarily see like, here's all the limitations that are gonna be clamped down. I, I think there are gonna be some really opportunities because we all know, we've all been forced to figure out Zoom yeah. and Microsoft Teams and Google Hangouts. And, you know, like, I don't think all of us were really, really good at it until we were forced to be really, really good at it. And, and so I think you are going to have people saying, do we have to get on a plane to do this? Do we have to, you know, how, how can we meet people? Not every meeting. I think a lot is mm-hmm. lost when you're not in person, but I think there's a lot of stuff you can do. There's a lot of stuff that, that I'm able to do now that I wouldn't have been able to go in person to go do. It just might not work. Totally. And to kind of piggyback off that, to get into real sports, you mentioned it, you called it the best show on television. I happen to agree. I think it is some of the best, just straight journalism, not even sports journalism, just journalism overall, the stories. Great storytelling, great story selection, great prism, really clear on the, I mean, the show has been around a long time. So I think that they're they're very clear on the mission, right? Mm -hmm. And that happens over time when you have a new show, you're always sort of thinking, you know, what is one of our stories? What is not? Do we do this? We don't. Oh, you know, we shouldn't have done that. Oh, we should have done that. Oh, that is us. Oh, no, that's not us. And when you've been around a long time, one of the tremendous um, luxuries and upsides, right, is that you kind of have a better sense of of what's what you are and what's the DNA of the show. And so it's always it was nice to come into a very established show mm-hmm. that really knew what it is and then trying to figure out, OK, what kinds of stories in this do I want to be doing? Yeah, it is phenomenal. And and if you haven't watched it, if anyone's listening, tune in on HBO because it is so great. But in a year like this, what was it like working on it? So weird, um, yeah. like everything. I mean, working on it and everything. We're in the middle of shooting. I run a production company in my real mm-hmm. life and I anchor a show and I report for real sports. So I had 18 jobs and all of them have just been weird. Like I'm, I, I shot a documentary about coronavirus um, in Seattle, yeah. in the middle of the, the, the pandemic starting in Seattle. Um, I just got off a plane the other day. We we're shooting in, where was I? South Carolina for a six-part series we're doing uh, that looks at um, uh, systemic racism. And so, you know, like it's all weird and hard and I, I'm getting COVID tested probably four times a, this week. It'll be four or five times a week. You know, it's just, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. So that was just crazy. A lot of it was we didn't travel much. Some people did, um, but we did a lot of stuff remotely. And a lot of the stories that I did looked at, we tried to leverage what was happening in the world in terms of our storytelling too. So we were looking at, we had a great conversation with these young people who decided the spelling bee. Yep. That's where I was going to go next. Right. And so, you know, and, and it's, you, you age out. So just devastating for those young people who just, this was it, this was their last chance. And so they started, you know, uh, uh, the, the online spelling bee. So it sort of makes sense to be doing an online story about an online story. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think a lot of my stuff kind of worked and made sense. But logistically, at one point I was shooting three cameras in my apartment with my daughter, who is a college student, <laughs> not in TV. <laughs> like, you know, literally, I mean, I think, except for the fact that I house them and feed them, they were just like, ah, <laughs> you know, but that's what you do, just do what you have to do. And then eventually we were able to, 
um, work with photographers who could come in. Mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually we were able to go into studios a little bit more because I think people figured out the COVID-19 protocols yep. a little bit better. But it's just so weird. I mean, it's it's so it's so weird. It's yeah, weird. It's, it's been an evolution. Did your kids ever think they'd be your interns at some point in their lives? Uh, you know, I think they, if they... If it has ever crossed their mind, they are now disabused of that notion. They have zero interest, <laughs> none whatsoever. I think they think like, wow, this is hard and not really fun. Yep. Yep. It's a lot of work. You mentioned that spelling bee story. I loved it because it, a great story? it was a great story. And like you said, so on brand with the times, what is it like? I mean, you mentioned just the hard part of those kids aging out and not getting that opportunity, but to be able to tell the story of what those two prior contestants did of flipping it and sort of turning it into a positive in a sense. Yeah, you know, and I, I love that. And again, that goes, kind of goes back to the storytelling. Uh, our producer on that piece was just so good and thoughtful about it. And that's one of the things I love about working with real sports, uh, both the sort of the executive team on the show and also the producers as well. Like they really are great storytellers. Yeah. So you're often thinking about not just here's the story, but then kind of the next order of thinking, right, is is not just it started like this, the middle went like this, and then the end was like this. Like you start thinking, well, where do we begin this story? Could we begin at the end and then back into it? Could we start in the middle and then, you know, and, and so it's really fun to think about storytelling that way, which I think the show does just really, really mm -hmm. beautifully. Uh, yeah, and they were great. And and also it's just fun to talk to young people and yeah. and they're hilarious and they're, and, you know, and, and I've covered the spelling bee and others a lot uh, over the years. And so, you know, they feel things very deeply mm -hmm. uh, because it's a very intense competition. Um, they're very offended if you suggest that it might not be a sport. Sport, yep. It is a sport. Uh, and so it's a really, it was a really fun thing uh, to cover. And I had... I have very much enjoyed what I often get to do for real sports, which is sometimes the non-traditional sports um, so that you can have that comp the conversation around, well, is this even a sport? And yeah. I'm not even sure that we, we have a good definition, right? If you're on the Olympic, if you're on the sailing team, is that a sport? I would mm -hmm. say yes. Well, you know, are you breaking a sweat necessarily? Maybe not. If you're a competitive bowler, is that a sport? If you're playing football, okay, we all want to agree that that's a sport. Yeah. So are the people doing brain games, is that a sport? Um, I sort of argue, yeah, lots of stuff is a sport that maybe we haven't thought of before. Well, and you lead me into my next question, because another story you did was on gaming, also with young people, and how much money these kids, literal kids, are making. What has it been like for you to sort of see, you know, you talk about taking on those stories, but seeing sports, that word, evolve into different different categories. Everything evolves, right? And so I think the thing that's sort of funny for me is to think that the the parents of these kids are the are, are my age because we're the ones who started with Pong and um you know Miss Pac-Man, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And so the funny thing is to see when I was growing up, the idea was like this will rot your brain and you're gonna be addicted and whatever. And these now are people who are my age who are yeah, I loved I loved gaming as a kid, so I got my kid into it. And now their kid making a few million dollars million. a year. <laughs> I was like, dang, I should have gotten my kids into gaming. I don't really <laughs> let them play games uh, much at all because they would be addicted and they would do nothing else. Um, but yeah, I, I have loved that expansion of the definition. And I and 
again, I think because of coronavirus, you've seen a lot more streaming and a lot more people online just for entertainment. And so it makes sense, right? It's not a, and now for something completely different, the world of gaming. Instead, it's like, oh my God, Twitch is up 30%. Why? Well, you know, here's a look at something that is real and is moving the needle economically and also changing the face of gaming. Do you have a favorite story you've done for real sports so far? I do, but it hasn't aired yet because okay. we were shooting it in um, Oklahoma when uh, the pandemic, we were shooting in, in February. Okay. And in March, I took my kids on spring break and we literally landed and New York City shut down. Yeah. Uh, like March 7th or something. So so I do, it's a great story. I mean, and okay. I've had a bunch, I, I've had so many that I've done that I just love, but this one I think is like my current you know, recent, very super recent story. And it's going to be amazing. I don't know when we'll get back to finish it because that one started in real life. So we can't do it remotely. It would be bizarre. Got and it. it's very much not a story you can do remotely. So, um, okay. but it involves, I can't wait to, to show the pictures because it involves me with a 15 foot Python that was caught. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good story. That is wild. A little tease there, something to look yes, forward the deep to. Tease, the deep tease. And who knows <laughs> when it's going to air when I'm able to get back there and shoot some more. When you talk about your producer, it definitely seems like it's a very collaborative kind of process. Is that how you would describe the storytelling and, and just yeah. sort of maybe it all sort of coming together? Yeah, I, I think it actually has to be. Every place I've worked where the quality is high, it has to be collaborative. You just need, and, and who wouldn't want as many brains on something as possible. Um, but I think I think at Real Sports, it's very producer driven, mm -hmm. um, but I think everybody really needs to figure out like, so how are we telling the story? How are we thinking about this story? Um, yeah, absolutely. But most places I've worked, you know, very rarely does it work for me when someone says, so I've written all the questions and here it is. And all you need to do is just sit there and you yeah. know, put some lashes on and read it. And you know, that just, it's, Sounds amazing. <laughs> actually, now that I hear that, that sounds amazing. <laughs> but but actually, I, it's not really kind of what I want to do. Yeah, because you don't so have ownership. You don't have like an investment. Right. And so it's much more fun, as you know, right, to, to be deep in the muck trying to figure yep. it out, even if it's harder. And so I, I think it, I, I always like collaborative processes better. So the last thing I want to talk to you about is your foundation, the Powerful oh, Foundation. It helps young women, but for those who may not have heard of it, what does it really do and, and who does it really provide for? Yeah, we send girls to and through college and a lot of foundations or a lot of uh, funds and scholarships send people to. But my philosophy is if you're not getting through, two can actually suck you deeper into debt and two is not very helpful if we're talking about a college degree. You actually yeah. need to get through. And, you know, with such a crazy year, I think, for every foundation, because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I personally hate a gala as much as I've done a million of them. I mean, I like wearing a cute dress, but like the logistics behind running a gala. It's a lot. I like going to other people's galas. I, I love being invited to a gala. My own actual gala is a lot of work and very stressful. So we didn't do one this year. And it's really where we make a lot of the money for the foundation. Mm -hmm. And that obviously pays for scholarships, et cetera, et cetera. So we are pretty worried about it, but we've gotten some great support and with that support, we're very, we're very uh, cheap in that we pay for schooling and tuition and books, and we literally, you know, um, we 
to events, but we, I don't, I, you know, books can cost $500. So that yeah. means if I spend $500 on airline tickets for something, or if we, we just don't waste money. We literally, I'm always thinking of my mom in this foundation who's like, wait a minute, I think there's, there's a little more toothpaste left in here. Hold on, <laughs> at least one more. <laughs> and we're kind of like that, like, wait a minute, $2 and 17 cents. You know what you could do for $2 and 17 cents? So we've been very lucky because people have stepped up with donations at a time when honestly, I just thought like we were, we were really lucky in that normally right around when we were going to start planning the foundation is when, I mean, lit, uh, the found, planning the gala mm -hmm. is when, um, when the pandemic hit. And yeah. I think if it had been another month, we would have been ordering invitations. You know, you start laying out right. money, holding facilities, et cetera, et cetera. So we were very fortunate that we didn't invest on anything on that front. Um, so we've been very, very fortunate. But the greatest thing is these girls are great. I mean, they're not girls, they're young women, really. And they're fantastic and they're fun and they're sweet and they're stressed as anything because, you know, I think, as you can imagine, the coronavirus, if you get to work from home, it's crazy and difficult yeah. and challenging, but you're getting your paycheck and it's direct deposited every two weeks. And, you know, but if you are a person who has the kind of job where you go into the coffee shop or you're a waitress, I mean, a lot of our scholars are, are working these, these jobs Part -time, and yeah. really challenging. And some of them, you know, go to food pantries. Well, if you're at a college that, and the college is closed, that college food pantry has closed too. And now you can't eat. So it's been a very challenging time. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've been really grateful for all the support that we've gotten this year. And then lastly, as I kind of mentioned up top, if someone follows you on Twitter, they authentically know who you are. You are sort of unapologetically authentic. So my question is kind of last- And also second, pictures of my puppy. Yes, that is true, but that's good. You know, it's like levity, levity in all of this. Why, especially maybe in this industry, is that authenticity so important? You know, I think people pick the way they want to be seen. I don't know that if I were 25 and starting out that that would be my voice, but I think I've had an opportunity to hone a voice and a point of view, and a perspective, and, and I'm often asked about it. So I don't feel like I have to somehow pretend I don't have a certain yeah. perspective on things. And, and it shifts sometimes. Sometimes I will, you know, think this way about this, but then over here, I think differently. I think people want to be involved in a conversation and understand who you are. Not everybody. I'm super critical about journalism generally. I think we've had a lot of failures in in the um, ability to hold people in public office generally accountable. And I think mm -hmm. that's been very disappointing to me. Um, but it's, you know, I, I'm not sure I would tell somebody who's 25 and starting out like, oh, this is the way to do it. And, and I think there's a bunch of people who actually already do that because they they're on social media and that's kind of their platform and how they're building so it's you know that's changed a lot of things I personally my main job I run a production company mm -hmm. we have six series in production at this moment so I literally run around all day shooting sometimes but mostly managing a team of about 13 people and trying to make sure as coronavirus started, for example, like we weren't going to fire anybody that we were, how, how do you let somebody go in the middle of a global pandemic yeah. in an industry that's struggling already? So that's kind of what my focus has been. And I have found being very uh, blunt and clear about likes and dislikes. I mean, I've always tell people, follow me or don't, you know, like totally cool. Don't. Absolutely fine. And I think that for, for me personally, I just has, have enjoyed that voice. Um, I think I'd have a hard time. Uh, 
I, I think often with journalists, there's this idea that there's like this neutral, I have no opinion. And I, mm. I don't think that's really, I mean, I, I bet if I asked you like, do you, which ice cream do you like, chocolate or vanilla, you'd be like, you'd have some opinion. Yeah. So I think context sometimes is better than just pretending because it would be a bakery that you don't have a point of view on something. I mean, often you fight for a story and you fight for it because you love it. So you go yeah. into it like, I love this story. I love this person. You're not going to go in like, oh, I'm going to pretend that I have no, I don't care. That's so I've tried to just be myself. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, but I think when you're 54, which is what I am, you have a lot more leeway to kind of pick and choose the projects you want to do and the people you want to work with. So, so far it's working out okay. Seems to be that way. So <laughs> thank you so much. I'm so excited for whenever that your favorite real sports story does get to air. Really, it's really good. Fingers crossed you can get there. We're, we're, the light is there at the end of the tunnel. It is dim, I it's coming so. into focus. So. But 2021. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Thank you so much for coming on, really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me.